Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. We have so much to discuss in the world of SEO this week, so hopefully we'll be able to get through it in a reasonable amount of time. I know you all have lots of things to do, and hopefully I'll be able to just help you figure out what's new this week, what do we need to pay attention to, and we've got lots of really interesting tips in this episode. I'm going to talk more about guest post links. I know it's something that has been controversial. Um, over the last many years. We're going to talk about the newest stuff that Google has said about guest posting links and my thoughts on whether all guest posts are unnatural or not. Um, We'll talk about an interesting case that we found on Reddit of two sites that can't rank at the same time. Uh, We'll give our thoughts on that. We haven't looked deeply into the situation, but we've seen this happen before. So I'm going to share something uh, from the past about what I think could be happening here with these sites. And we'll talk more on the nofollow changes uh, that Google has announced because there's been more discussion on that over the last week and many, many more things. I'm not going to do a Q&A at the end of this episode because we've got so much other stuff to talk about and uh, I think you're going to find this really, really interesting. Um, this is episode number 137 of our newsletter. The publishing date for this newsletter was June 17th of 2020. Pretty much everything I'm talking about here is in the newsletter. Uh, some of this is only in the premium section of our newsletter. You can find the newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. Our premium version is $18 a month, which, um, you know, not a whole lot of money, but you get a lot of value for that. Um, so let's get past all the sales and just talk about what Google's doing this week. As we usually do, we'll start with talking about whether there was an algorithm update. Um, We're paying less attention now to what we call tweaks to the algorithm. Um, I do think that something happened around June 7th to 9th. Barry Schwartz wrote about it on Search Engine Roundtable saying that, There was a lot of chatter in uh, most of the forums that he monitors of people saying that something had changed and their rankings had changed as well. When we looked into it with our clients and uh, with the sites that we monitor, we did also have a number of sites that saw some type of a change between June 7th and 9th. Now, given what's going on in the world, uh, you know, a lot of things have changed this week. A lot of, in some areas of the world, people are starting to get back to business uh, as they were before. In other parts of the world, uh, things are getting really bad in terms of coronavirus, and that's bound to affect search traffic as well. Um, And so, you know, we're not going to dig into great detail about uh, what's happening between June 7th and 9th, but know that most of the sites that saw changes were ones that were affected by the May core update. Uh, If you're wondering, you know, what date to look for, uh, whether you were affected by that update, the May core update was released by Google on May 4th of 2020, and uh, most websites that were strongly affected started to see those effects starting May 5th. So if you are seeing a change in your traffic that seems to have started May 5th, you're probably dealing with the May core update. Um, at this point, we're not going to go into more details and in trying to figure out what changed uh, in terms of uh, June 7th to 9th, but if it does look like it's something more serious, then we'll, uh, we'll get back to that in uh, probably next week's episode. Uh, I should tell you, I'm really excited. We started some new things at MHC with uh, getting all of my senior auditors involved in really, really digging in to figure out what patterns we can find even more than we currently do. Uh, we've set up some new processes uh, to just help us analyze which sites saw drops and seeing what can we see uh, in the pages 
images that saw drops that correlate with what Google has told us is a sign of high or low quality, probably if they saw drops. Um, and so over the next few months, we're going to get even better at analyzing what it is that Google did and helping our clients to hopefully do better um, in in. Uh, making websites that Google likes to value. Uh, I really think uh, the main key of the May core update was about relevancy. Uh, I've been saying for a number of weeks now that um, Google seems to, in some situations, be showing websites that uh, have... Um, demonstrated an element of first-hand expertise. Uh, and so in some cases, you know, if you search for a medical query, you may be seeing still the giants like Healthline and Mayo Clinic and WebMD and sites like that. And now Google is seems to be inserting the odd local practice uh, that has blog posts that talk about this particular medical uh, issue. And um, so that's something that, uh, you know, initially I was saying, well, I think Google turned up the dial in terms of understanding uh, whether somebody's got real life expertise, the E in EAT. Uh, but now, I, I, you know, I don't know, maybe that's possible, but maybe it's also possible that Google is just figuring out that these posts are more relevant to searchers. If I'm looking for what are the side effects of this particular new medication that I was put on or something like that. It's fine for me to read the entire history of this medication and the entire history of, uh, you know, the, 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 all the organs in the body that it can affect and all these different things. But in reality, the most relevant answer to me is the one that gets right to the point and says, here's what you need to know. Uh, and here's what other people who have used this medication need to know. Uh, and so we really feel like May 4th, Google is, has gotten better at determining which site are more relevant to a query. And I feel like it's just the start. Uh, we're going to be seeing even more of this. I think it's more prominent in medical uh, circles right now, but uh, that's often the case. It seems like Google um, wants to really work hard to make sure that they're not recommending medical advice that potentially uh, could be harmful to people. So there's still lots to know. My team uh, is now, uh, now we're working even harder than we were before at trying to find more patterns in regards to the May core update. And uh, hopefully we'll have some information uh, for you on that soon. Um, let's talk about this whole issue with getting content indexed. I'm still seeing lots of people on Twitter that are saying that um, they uh, they can't get certain pages indexed. And several of you have sent me examples of these pages. And every time, I, I mean, I feel like a broken record. I've said this so many times. When I look at these pages, they're not overtly spammy. They're not like, oh, here's a list of every phone number that you could possibly be, lo be looking for in this area code. You know, those super ultra spammy lists that uh, we used to see. But rather, they're just not great. Um, and they're not something that you would look at and instantly say, oh, this is spam, but you could look at it and say, well, Google's never going to want to rank this number one, two, or three, or even on the first page for anything. And I really believe that Google is saying um, that, uh, you know, if they can recognize that in your content, then why would they want to index it at all? I mean, sure, maybe somebody's going to search through to page four and click on your site, but it's very unlikely. So Gary Ish tweeted this week, uh, and he's tweeting these very random cryptic uh, things, which is Gary, right? Uh, he tweeted, that moment when you can't get your amazing low-quality site indexed by public means. Why wouldn't we want to get spammyguy.com index? I yonder. I think he meant I wonder. Um, you know, this could just be Gary... 
spouting off about something that was annoying him in the day. It's certainly possible. But I think often when Gary gives us these random tweets, and there was another one today we'll talk about uh, probably next week. I'm, I'll, I won't go into all the details, but I feel like he he said something again today just before podcast that I'm like, oh, we need to pay attention to this. Um, when Gary tweets these random things, often it's a hint. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, we, we take every word that Googlers say and then we try to make a story out of it sometimes. I don't know that that's always the right thing to do. But in this case, you know, Gary has said, I mean, back in January, it was January 22nd, which was uh, almost a week after the January core update. Uh, he just tweeted, oh, here's everyone's reaction when low quality and spammy content's not indexed anymore. And so if you're having trouble getting content into the index, you really need to be looking at the quality of your site. And it's something where, you know, there's no quick, it's not like I can say, oh, if that's happening, just do this. Uh, you know, usually it means there's a massive issue with the types of content that you're trying to get indexed. And um, so that's something that uh, I think a lot of people are struggling with right now. So, um, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into uh, every little tweet that Gary does, but I do uh, think that if you're struggling to get new content indexed, you should pay uh, close attention to the part of Search Console that says crawled and currently not indexed. Now, sometimes you you can see stuff in there like feed pages. Now, feed pages, we're fairly certain that Google recognizes that, you know, this is not a page that you intended Google to index. It's part of a feed, and they know how to handle that. Um, but uh, if you're seeing other pages in this report in Search Console uh, that are ones that you're like, wait a second, you know, this is decent. It's no worse than any other page that's on the web, then those that's a hint. And often what we'll see is that, um, let's say one site has a, a a particular section of their site that's low quality. I'm thinking, for example, of a news blog. Maybe you've got really great content on the majority of your site, but the news blog is like just rehashed. Here's what was in the news and nothing added in terms of value. So why would somebody want to visit your site as opposed to going to the original source who broke the story? Um, and so what we'll see sometimes is, let's say Google has deemed the news subfolder of your site to be uh, either lower quality or less relevant or something that they just wouldn't want to show on the first page of search to very many users, uh, then you might find that pages from your news blog or your news subfolder, whatever you're using, are found in this section of Search Console called crawled and currently not indexed. So I'd really urge you to look at it. Now, every site that we review, almost every site has pages in there. So don't worry. If you look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, there's 600 pages in here. And so Google is going to penalize my site. It doesn't work that way. It can be a hint though. So if you're looking at pages in that section of the report and you're saying, well, you know, I don't think this is really low quality, then you need to dig in and figure out why would Google crawl it and not want to index it. And in most cases, what we find is it's just no better than what's currently on the web. Um, and so that's something where a lot of sites need to make uh, changes. I personally believe that if you have a huge portion of your website that is deemed by Google to be something they crawled and didn't think was good enough to index, that that can actually trigger Panda. Um, and I do think that uh, cleaning up that content, removing or no indexing the content that maybe just isn't great, uh, can make a big difference overall in your entire site.
Um, more from Google on the nofollow changes. So uh, Google put out a podcast, which was actually pretty cool. It was John Mueller and Gary Ish and Martin Split all just kind of spitballing about search. And it, it was funny. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's about half an hour long. And uh, we've linked to it from our newsletter this week, episode number 137, so you can find it there. Um, one of the things that Gary talked about was this whole, uh, you know, all the confusion over the no-follow changes. Uh, if you're new and you're not sure what I'm talking about here, last year Google gave us two new attributes we can use on links. One is to say rel equals sponsored, and another is to say rel equals UGC, which stands for user-generated content. And when you put that in the HTML for a link, you're essentially telling Google, look, I know this link is a sponsored link. Like somebody paid money for this or somebody gave me the content for, uh, for this. And so all of the, you know, the links that are marked with sponsored, they're ones that were essentially paid for. Or um, UGC, a good example of that would be uh, if you have a comment section on your posts, you may want to link, uh, you may want to mark every link that goes out of there as user-generated content. And what that'll do is, uh, what we think that does anyways, is cause Google to just ignore those links because uh, the chances that that's a true recommendation uh, are very, very small. But the issue that we're discussing now is, um, you know, why would Google actually want to look at no-followed links that don't have those rel attributes? Um, and one of the things, Gary actually brought up two things in the podcast that made sense to me. Um, one of them was if, uh, let's say you created a new website and for whatever reason, you didn't redirect the old to the new, but instead you put up a splash page that said, hey, visit our new site here and a link to the new site. Um, if that link is no followed, which apparently this happens because Gary's mentioned it, then Google will not be able to discover the new site via that link. And if they, but they want to discover that, right? I think their algorithms could look at that page and say, well, okay, what we thought was here is no longer here. Um, and where did it go? Uh, you know, and if they can't follow that no followed link, they're not going to discover the new page. So that's one reason why Google might decide in some situations that, hey, there's something beyond this link that we actually want to investigate. The other thing that Gary mentioned really, really makes sense to me, and that's that uh, malicious websites that have um, malicious download now buttons. So I'm sure we've all seen them. You go on a website that's maybe a little bit questionable, and there's a big link that says download now. And if you happen to click on that link, you're going to download like some type of a virus or malware or something like that. Um, so Google, if that link to the malware or to the section that is, um, you know, maybe not trustworthy is uh, if it's only linked to with no followed links, then in the past, Google couldn't follow those links to determine that the content was potentially harmful to people. Uh, and so now it sounds like that's something that they could potentially be doing. I do remember, though, that it wasn't that long ago that Gary Ish also said that uh, none of the Google engineers, as far as he knows, are currently working on algorithms that implement these new ways they can treat nofollow. So a lot of what we're talking about here is just theory. Um, you know, I feel like, I think he did say he's working on something. It wouldn't surprise me if he's working on these, uh, you know, using no followed links to help Google to discover potentially malicious content. Uh, you'd think that they have other ways of discovering that content, but uh, their spammers will do all they can to get past Google. So this, you know, it really does make sense. 
Um, let's see here. Manual actions. Oh, I'll just mention uh, briefly. We've had a number of manual actions lifted uh, over the last little while. If you're not sure, no, we're not uh, causing manual actions for our clients. We don't do uh, link building. Um, we, we try really hard not to recommend anything that goes against Google's guidelines, but we are known for removing manual actions. Uh, it's something that I've been doing since 2012, and uh, we've removed many, many manual actions. So, um, it's been a little while. I don't know if we've received a new manual action since coronavirus started, um, but we've definitely received many responses. I think in the last couple of months, we've had eight different uh, unnatural links penalties removed. So um, if you're waiting to hear back from Google on an unnatural links manual action, hang in there because it does seem like they're working through a backlog right now. And um, the, the good news is that most of the ones that we've been waiting for for a long time, uh, we've passed on them in this last round. So uh, I don't know if that means that you know, we did a great job finally, or whether uh, maybe Google has gotten better at determining which links they can just ignore. That's something John Mueller talked about uh, in regards to guest posts, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe they're saying, well, we don't need these manual actions anymore. So, you know, let's lift this uh, and just deal with things algorithmically. Certainly, if you have a manual action, you want to deal with it. It's not something, uh, there's the odd case uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, too. Um, there, you know what? I'll leave that for later in the talk. There is the odd time where you could leave a manual action. But in most cases, if Google has pointed out that they have issue with something on your site, then that's actually a good thing that they've pointed it out because you'd much rather have a message from Google than all of a sudden find that algorithmically your traffic is dropping and you don't know why. So at least when you get a manual action, you, you can sort of look at it and say, oh, okay, uh, uh, you know, maybe we've gone too far with link building or uh, there are other types of manual actions as well. But um, so you don't want to ignore a manual action from Google. Uh, this is really exciting for uh, recipe sites. Um, now in Search Console, you can monitor your recipe structured data. And uh, so that's exciting. If you are uh, running a recipe site, uh, then that's very important. Um, there's more on recipe sites to come here in this, uh, this podcast episode as well. Brody Clark reported that how-to schema testing on desktop appears to be over now. Uh, and other SEOs have uh, said that, yes, they noticed the same thing. Uh, if you look in Search Console, you can look and see your uh, performance for um, how-to schema and basically see, you know, uh, a number of things about this. And a lot of SEOs were reporting that uh, it started appearing May 20th and then June 4th, uh, nobody is seeing how-to schema being reported. Uh, this is probably a test by Google and it wouldn't surprise me if it all comes back again very, very soon. Um, there was more discussion, again, coming back to this REL equal sponsored and REL UGC. There was a very interesting tweet by AJ Khan um, where he said he was reading the Google web spam report. And he said, did I miss the announcement that REL equals sponsored and REL equals UGC would be used for ranking purposes? And that actually started a very great discussion. We've linked to it in a newsletter. And it's a, it's a good discussion that you can read on Twitter with some very smart people all commenting on their thoughts. I thought it was interesting because 
when Google announced the changes with RHEL sponsored and RHEL UGC, uh, I actually dug out the tweet. So this was from September of 2019. And it says, today we've announced two new link attributes, sponsored and UGC, that join nofollow as ways to identify identify the nature of links. But then they go on to talk about ranking. Um, all will now work as hints about which links Google search could consider, should consider, or exclude for ranking purposes. So um, I think the big confusion in all of this is a lot of people are still confused about whether no followed links can hurt you. And Google has said multiple times, if it's no followed, it's not counted in their algorithm systems, unless for some reason they really feel that they should. Uh, and they really have hinted uh, that they'll only count a link, um, they'll only count the good signals through a link. And so um, what we don't know, you know, my thought is if the New York Times wrote an article about, say, how Google uses EAT, and they linked to my article on EAT, or our article that our, my team and I wrote on EAT, um, but that link was no followed, I do believe that Google can now recognize, now that they're allowed to look at no-followed links, they could say, well, you know what, this is the New York Times, and the way, I, I'm, I'm speculating here, but I do feel like they use BERT uh, to understand the language, and I think they can probably understand, you know, the way this is described in the New York Times, it's actually recommending this article as a good resource on EAT. And if that's the case, maybe that link from the New York Times would help, um, maybe it won't. I, uh, we'll have to see. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm saying this over and over again every week, but uh, this is important because um, uh, we kind of want to know what Google's doing in terms of links. And I think so much of the SEO community is really hyper-focused on links. There, some of you have agencies where, you know, 80% of what you do is link building. And I'm kind of scared if that's your, your main way of uh, operating. Um, you know, maybe it's working, but it's not going to work forever. And, and Google, you know, every time they do some type of a link-related update, they get better and better at figuring out uh, which links to actually count. And this brings up the whole discussion about guest posting again. Um, I wrote an article back in 2014 on everything Google had said about guest posting. Still very relevant, and it's one of the things on my list that I need to uh, update that so that it's relevant to 2020. I, I don't think I'm going to have to change too much on it. Um, we've linked to that post from uh, newsletter, so you can find that there. But this is something that um, John Mueller said. So Mark Preston asked on Twitter, John, since your recent tweet with SEMrush, now we talked about that last week, uh, SEMrush put out a product that promoted guest posting in a way that really looked like they were selling links. Uh, if you missed that discussion, you can find it in episode number 136. I believe I talked way more in podcast than I did in actual newsletter on that. So, uh, you know, you can find the last episode of news or of podcasts and, and listen to that. Um, so since your recent tweet with SEMrush, it would be good to get total clarity as there now seems to be a lot of confusion around uh, this. We all know paying for a guest post is against the guidelines, but what about guest posting in general where no money changes hands? So the normal way, and I've seen tons of people arguing with me on Twitter about how their guest posts should be treated as natural by Google. And the argument is always, well, whoever published the guest post made an editorial decision 
to publish this guest post. Uh, and so it's up to them whether they want to include the links or not. Now, this is interesting because we actually had somebody submit something to us that we published on our website. And um, we weren't happy with some of the links that were coming out of this post because we felt that they could maybe be perceived as unnatural. And so we made an editorial process or a decision to contact that person and say, you know what, I think we need to change this and let's change these links so that they don't appear to be unnatural in Google's eyes. That's really hard to do. And I think that most sites that publish guest posts do not have that type of editorial process. So um, here it was John's response on Twitter. This was from June 11th of this year. That, the part that's problematic is the links. If you're providing the content slash the links, then those links shouldn't be passing signals and should have the rel equals sponsored, rel no follow attached. It's fine to see it as a way of reaching a broader audience. And, you know, a lot of you um, are probably devastated by this news because I think a lot of people, that was a service that you sell, that you, uh, you either write guest posts for your clients or you get your clients' guest posts published amongst a network of um, websites that you know are hungry for content and will take your content and publish it and then, yeah, you add a couple of links to your clients in there. The thing is, though, that, like, why would Google want to consider that as a vote for your content? Um, and so uh, Dejan SEO did a very interesting uh, poll, very quick poll, not a scientific one, but I still think it's, it's relevant. Um, and he said, uh, why do you do guest posts? 45.9% said to get links. 13% uh, said for other reasons. And 40% said, uh, I don't do guest posts. So now I don't, I, I'm not going to do the math in my head here, but that's like close to 80% of the people who say they do guest posting say they do it for the links. And I think that the other 20% are probably fudging <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I think the vast majority of people who guest post, you're doing it for the link equity that you get from there. So the question is, do you need to go back and disavow? old guest posts, um, you know, and that's an, a question that is very hard to answer, and there's no black and white answer to that. It's very much an it depends. Um, what sites would you want to be disavowing guest post links for? Uh, when we do, so we offer a service where we call it a link overview, where my team who has been trained on link quality and uh, the team that does this, all they do is, um, uh, is, is look at links. I mean, this is for, uh, for quite some time now. Uh, they've been looking at links, they've been looking at everything that Google has said or hinted, and maybe everything you know, that we hear from a Googler is not exact gospel, but they have said over and over and over again, uh, for years that links in guest posts, links in articles where you wrote the article and you provided the content to somebody else, that links that point back to your own properties are ones that Google doesn't want to count. So um, um, somebody was asking about old guest posts that they had published in the past and whether uh, you know that's important. And John said yes. Uh, he says, the other thing is that because this is so old, we have a lot of training data for our algorithms. I believe what he's saying here is our algorithms are pretty good at figuring out uh, if a link comes from a guest blog. He says, I wouldn't be surprised if the largest part of those links are just ignored automatically. If all that work is for ignored links, why not just do something useful instead? Um, last night I was reading, I was scrolling through Reddit and saw in uh, one of the SEO channels, somebody was talking about how they had been building links via ways that 
you know, most people would kind of consider uh, white hat or like maybe just tiny bit on the gray side, but the links that really should count, and they had built like 150 links for a particular website and saw zero impact from this. Uh, now, I know um, some of you are still building links in ways that seem to work, uh, but fewer and fewer of you are. So if your main mode of operation is to get links for your clients by guest posting, by article marketing, then uh, it's not going to be worth working for much longer. Um, I, I mean, I could be wrong on that. There's SEOs that I really respect and value their opinion that will disagree with me on this. Um, but, you know, Google has been pretty adamant and this seems to be their focus is let's work towards um, figuring out, I mean, the whole reason why they count links is because a link, if I link to your website, it's me saying, hey, all the people who read mariehaines.com, uh, I think that it would be really helpful for you to also read this website. And if I'm linking to you just because you provided me with content, that's not really a vote for your content. So um, that's, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry for the bad news for some of you, but, um, you know, those of you who can find ways to legitimately produce content and promote that content in a way that people actually want to link to you, are clamoring to link to you. If you have that skill, then you're going to be really valuable in SEO and, uh, uh, you know, lots of people will want your services. Uh, this was an interesting thing also from Reddit on the uh, big SEO subreddit. Somebody was talking about a, a client that um, they did SEO for, and the client owned two different websites that, in their words, operated in a pretty identical space. Uh, they said they have similar landing page topics, but they don't have duplicate content. So essentially there, uh, you know, lots of people do this. You have uh, a business that, you know, let's just create a few different websites. And in the past, it was more prominent because um, I think there was more uh, weight given to your domain name and your URL and an exact match domain could rank uh, very well for something. And so a lot of businesses sort of went off and made these tiny little microsites sites as opposed to, um, you know, one big great site. And so what this person is saying is that um, it's not that the, uh, it's basically only one of these websites can rank at the same time. So they said that only one of the sites appears on page one at a time. And then after a little while, that site will drop out of page one and their other site, that's the same business, but not duplicate content, just kind of similar topic will start ranking and they can't get both of them ranking at the same time. That's really, really interesting, right? Now, I did not dig into this and there are other possible reasons, um, you know, who knows uh, what's happening. But back in September of 2017, John Mueller in a help hangout talked about how um, Google, if Google believes that a particular site, two sites are or more are owned by the same organization, and they function for the same relative purpose, then they might decide to filter those sites or possibly fold them together. And I think that could be what's happening for this particular situation. Um, and then uh, he also hinted back in uh, 2018 that if Google determined that this was happening uh, because somebody was sort of overdoing things in terms of SEO, that um, it could lead to a demotion of both of the sites or all of the sites. So if you have multiple websites that are covering the same topic, um, then and, and you're having trouble ranking both of those, it might be that Google has determined that, oh, these are essentially the same business and they only want to rank one of them. Um, yeah, I thought that was very, very interesting.
Uh, let's see here. Um, somebody asked on Twitter, again, asked John Mueller, if we have sponsored content uh, without having no follow, Relic will sponsored, um, should they be dealing with it? And John said, if parts of your website don't comply with our webmaster guidelines and you want to comply with our webmaster guidelines, then it doesn't matter how old those non-compliant parts are. This is really important because, um, you know, we see people that are like, look, we're pumping out this great content. And maybe a couple of years ago, we didn't have the greatest team. We wrote this really thin stuff and it didn't rank for much, but now we're producing this great content and we can't get it to rank. Well, it may be that that old stuff that's on your website that was, you know, maybe it was keyword stuffed. Maybe it was, uh, you know, essentially just copied from another source. Those can still contribute to Google's assessment of quality for your entire website today. Uh, so if you're struggling to rank, that's something that we do in our site reviews is, is we look and we see, like, is there, can we find evidence of content that goes against Google's guidelines that's maybe not the best of its kind? And often when we get rid of, and I mean by getting rid of, uh, most commonly what we do is we add a no index tag. Um, you know, huge amounts of useless content or content that is really no longer relevant, then uh, we can see improvements either with a future core update or sometimes, you know, even before the core update happens. Um, now, it's always hard to prove because it's rare that we're just working on that one issue. We can often have many different issues that we're, we're working on. Um, so just keep that in mind that, uh, you know, if you have a, a history of kind of spamming or doing stuff that's not really on board with Google, then then you, you need to pay attention to that. You can't just say, oh, that was in the past. I, I don't need to worry about it. The same thing applies to unnatural links. If you have, you know, let's say you hired an agency and they built keyword anchored links or they built hundreds and hundreds of links via article marketing or guest posting for you, uh, we really do believe that those can hurt you long term. Uh, we've talked about that a lot in the last little while too, how, um, you know, John Mueller has said that uh, it is possible for unnatural links to hurt a site algorithmically, so without a manual action, although he just said in the interview that I did with him a couple of weeks ago that it would be rare for that to happen. Uh, we put in newsletter a couple of examples of sites where all we did was disavow, um, and somebody else, uh, let's see, I, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, somebody else shared with me an example too where they uh, just did a disavow and saw nice improvements. Um, so, uh, you know, old links can still affect your website. You need to pay attention to those as well. Um, a good question from Twitter was, uh, let's see here. If a website is penalized manually partially, if we create new pages in that website, can we hope to rank in the first position? Um, and so, so the, the question is, if you have a manual action by Google, can you still rank at all? This is another it depends question. Um, there's some manual actions from Google that will de-index your entire site. If you get, for example, a pure spam penalty, usually those take your entire site off of Google. And so if that was the case, even if you created great new content, it's not gonna rank again until you get that manual action removed. The next probably super severe penalty that I can think of would be a site-wide manual action uh, for unnatural links. In all honesty, it's been a while since I've seen a site-wide manual action for unnatural links. Um, 
I want to say it's been a couple of years. I, I could be wrong, but uh, site-wide basically means Google has said, look, there's such a bad issue with unnatural links here that we're either going to take your entire site out of the index until this is cleaned up or make it so that it can't rank for anything. And sometimes what we'll see is like nothing ranks above page five unless you're very specifically looking for that brand. Um, you know, if a user, uh, if you see this in your um, search queries, if you're seeing that the only things you can rank for are brand queries, then sometimes this means that Google has put some sort of an action, either manually or algorithmically, on your website. Uh, and so usually that means that there's quality issues that need to be addressed. Now, let's talk about partial actions for unnatural links. This is the most common type of partial action or manual action that you can see. If you're not sure about all of this, you can go to Google Search Console and in the left sidebar, there's a section for manual actions. And when you click on that, most of you will see that you have no manual actions. <clears throat> but if you see that there's a partial manual action, then what, um, sometimes they'll tell you which section of the site it affects. Sometimes it can affect just one page. Now an example where you could probably ignore a manual action, um, a couple years ago there was a web, there was a, a uh, a post in the Google help forums by the BBC and uh, the BBC received a manual action, a partial manual action for unnatural links that just affected one particular page. And what was happening was, uh, I think the article was something that was favorable to a certain business. And then that business started building unnatural links to that article in an effort to get it to rank well. And so uh, Google put a partial manual action on that one page on the BBC. And uh, essentially, they could ignore that because Google's just going to ignore the links that are pointing to that page. And what happens as a result of that manual action is that that page just won't rank for very much. Um, unless it's like super clear, maybe if somebody uh, searches for words in quotes that are on that page. Uh, but it's not going to rank for anything important. Um, that's not usually the case though. The vast majority of websites that we've seen that get partial unnatural links manual actions, the way I interpret it is Google is saying, look, you have pages on your website that have links that look unnatural to the web spam team, but you also have links that look good. And now what Google wants you to do is to sort through your links and basically either get rid of or disavow the ones that are there just for SEO reasons. Um, but it's rare, I shouldn't say it's rare, most websites that are legitimate businesses, you know, they have some component of actually natural links, good links. Um, and so that's the situation where Google is saying, look, we're gonna let this page, you know, still be around uh, and maybe they still count the good links. I personally think that there's a suppression put on that entire page, so it's still hard for it to rank for anything. Uh, but um, if you get a partial action for unnatural links, you almost always, unless it's a very specifically, like I said with the BBC, one page, you almost always need to deal with that manual action. And if you don't, then you know, you're continually going to have these links that are pointing to your website that Google has said, look, we don't trust these. And it's possible that Google just ignores those links and the rest of your links count great. It's also possible that with the manual action, you always have some type of a suppression on your site. Um, and it's impossible to tell the difference, really. So again, if you have a manual action, you need to get it lifted. Um, 
It's probably a good time to mention, I just realized this, uh, it sounds like uh, I've been building all this up for marketing reasons. Maybe I have. Um, We have a new version of our manual actions book. Uh, I wrote this book, uh, I want to say 2013. And um, since then, I have a whole team that works with me on on removing manual actions. My lead for manual actions, Dylan Adamek, has worked with me to rewrite this book so it's relevant to uh, today. And we'll be having that on our website uh, for purchase in the next week or so. So uh, if you're dealing with manual actions, we've tried to put everything in there about our thought process, uh, about how we gather links, about the process of what happens on Google's side, at least what we know from that. Um, and so if you're interested in that, uh, you can reach out to us uh, to get an early copy. I'm sure we can find a way to send you an invoice rather than buy it on the website. Um, you can reach out at help at mariehaines.com and we'll find a way to, um, uh, to, to sell you an early copy if you're interested. Um, but otherwise, it'll be on our website soon. This was uh, an interesting question in the tech SEO Reddit um, about indexed though blocked by robots.txt. If you see this in Google Search Console, it generally means that a page that you're trying to keep out of search got into search because you didn't put the no index tag on it uh, before you put the robots block. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail about this because I've covered it before and it can get confusing. But essentially, uh, what you need to do is remove the block from robots, allow Google to crawl those pages uh, so that they can see that you have a no index tag on them, and then you can block them again in robots as well. Uh, We've got a a fair amount more in newsletter on that. Um, Let's go back to recipe websites. This was really, really interesting. Uh, A study on technicalseo.com Um, looked at the impact of removing structured data from recipe websites. Now, Google will tell us repeatedly that structured data does not contribute to organic rankings. And so, and we've seen that. If you have a product and you put review stars on it, um, what we've always said is, well, you could get more clicks because people, it stands out in the SERPs, um, but you're not likely to see a change in organic position. Something with recipes is that if you don't have structured data on your recipes, then you're not eligible to be in the carousel. And that's where people look for recipe stuff now. Um, And so uh, this study that we've summarized in in newsletter, um, oh, and this study came about because Google um, tweeted that, uh, Google Search Liaison tweeted this. Yesterday, a concern was raised that calorie information was required for recipes to be included in or to rank well for Google Search. This is not the case. Moreover, structured data like this has no impact on ranking in web search. Well, the thing is that um, when they removed the structured data from this site that they were studying, uh, they removed it from the carousels as well. So that had a massive impact. On mobile, uh, they noted a 51% drop in clicks. <clears throat> and this is a site that had thousands of, of clicks, so it's not you know a small number. And an eight, oh, that was on mobile? and an 18% drop in desktop, which kind of makes sense because uh, you're more likely to click on a carousel if you're scrolling through something uh, on your phone. Now, this is just one website, and obviously results will vary for other websites, Uh, but if you are running a recipe website, you really need to pay attention to the structured data, Um, and, uh, you know, anything you can mark up, you probably should be, because what you're doing is you're giving Google 
more information to help them to connect the dots to say, oh yeah, yeah, this is a, a good website. And oh yeah, they do know their stuff in regards to this type of cooking or this type of recipe. Um, and so definitely be using structured data on recipe websites. Uh, somebody asked uh, John Mueller again whether uh, how Google uses links from YouTube. Uh, so if you post a video on YouTube, you know our podcast that you're listening to now is available. Just the the audio version. I used to record with a webcam as well, and uh, it was just another layer of something that took us a little bit of extra time. And so maybe in the future we'll we'll do video again. But um, but let's say uh, you know somebody left a comment on this podcast episode on YouTube and included a link to their website. Or let's say in the description, I linked to my website. Um, those links are no followed. And John said very clearly, we don't use links on YouTube for search anyway. Um, so that's very clear. So if you are trying to do link building through YouTube, uh, it's not really the ideal way to do it. Uh, YouTube is fantastic for amplifying content. And uh, I think a lot of the time when people write blog posts, you could probably repurpose that blog post. I think Ian Lurie had a, a fantastic talk. It might have been at MozCon. It could have been at... Um, engage perhaps but he a couple of years ago he had a really good talk on repurposing content we should probably be doing this you know we we published a blog post on the may core update i could probably make that into a, a video that i could put up on youtube I, I i think that that's there's just not enough hours in the day for us to get all this done but for some of you that's a, a project that you could be working on uh, see what happens take some of your written content and put it in video form and uh, it's not for the links from youtube but more for an increased audience i think that's a, a great idea um I did some reading on the latest Help Hangout. I still haven't gotten through the latest one, so if you follow me on Twitter, it's Marie underscore Haynes. Whenever I see something in a Google Help forum or Google Hank, it's hard words, Google Help Hangout, um, that is maybe something that is interesting, then we take note of it. We have a whole internal document. Uh, we just started volume four of because uh, we filled up three entire Google Docs on uh, you know this over the years. Um, but somebody was asking John Mueller about uh, a particular website that was new, and their concern was because they got all of a sudden a whole bunch of spammy backlinks from a competitor, and then they started noticing that their website wasn't performing well in search. So John said it's probably not because of the spammy backlinks, but rather uh, because the website's just new. He says if your website's just a couple of months old, maybe eight months, that's what this person said, eight months old, maybe a year then that's still very, very fresh with regards to the rest of the internet. So that's kind of a time where our algorithms are still trying to figure out how and where we should show your website in the search overall. So that's something where it would be normal to see some kind of fluctuations around how it's being shown in search. Those of you who have been doing SEO for a while, you know that you're not going to create a new website today and have it rank tomorrow. Uh, so it takes some time to rank things. And sometimes websites will get what we call a honeymoon boost where they do really well for like, you know, a few weeks in. And then all of a sudden they start to rank for things and you're like, wow, I'm the best SEO in the world. And then 
it slowly slides back again as Google figures out where to put it in search. So just know that. I think there, there's somebody out there who needed to hear that. You know, if you're thinking you were penalized, it may just be that you're new and it needs you need time to build up EAT, uh, assuming that it's a YMYL topic, your money or your life. Uh, you need time for Google to assess your site and um, so give it time. Uh, it can take, uh, it, I usually tell people a good six months before we really start seeing where a website is going to start to rank properly. Um, but it can be longer, you know, a year sometimes, which is, uh, which is the fun part about SEO that, um, you know, very little happens instantly in SEO. Um, Another question for John Mueller about spammy backlinks. Uh, this was in the Help Hangout. My competitor has created 1,500 websites, and uh, basically they're linking from all those websites to this person's website with spammy uh, adult um, anchored links. And uh, John said, that's something we see all the time. It's really easy for people to run a script and drop thousands and millions of links, and we ignore that. Um, that's something where people who get really busy and they do all this crazy stuff, but our algorithms have seen it so often, they're used to ignoring it. It isn't something to worry about. Uh, you know, John used to say, whenever he was asked about this, he used to always say, but if you're worried, go ahead and disavow them. Um we still do if we come across them, but it's rare uh, that we file a disavow filled with just spammy links and see improvement afterwards. Um, now, when we file a disavow filled with like loads and loads of in-article links or guest posting links, sometimes that's where we see improvements. Uh, but if it's just, you know, if you wake up one day and all of a sudden you're getting alerts from your whatever tool you use for uh, monitoring links that says like, oh, you have toxic links or whatever, First, know that the majority of the links that those tools are picking up are this type of ultra-spammy link that Google's just ignoring anyways. Um, and it's very hard for a tool to pick up uh, if you've been doing guest posting in ways that uh, goes against Google's guidelines. So uh, lots of stuff about links lately. Um, let's see here. Oh, and I did mention before this uh, example that we have in newsletter. It was Jackie Owen who uh, sent that to me. So thank you, Jackie, uh, of a good example of a site that disavowed and then saw, um, uh, saw nice improvements afterwards. This was an interesting tweet by Glenn Gabe. I'm, I'm not going to go into great detail here, but I thought it was worth mentioning that he noted a bunch of different sites that um, were affected by Google ads, and they were told they were flagged for running Google ads on health misinformation. Now, we don't do much work at all in terms of PPC. Uh, I'm not an expert in Google ads, but I did think it was interesting that they got flagged for health misinformation. And then what Glenn pointed out is that everyone one of these sites saw a significant drop in traffic in conjunction with a core update. I think three of them were the May core update and one of the examples he gave was the January core update. So what does that tell us? I think, you know, Google has many different ways to determine whether your website is trustworthy. If you're writing on a medical topic, unless you are, like it seems like the only sites that will rank right now are big authorities, or websites where you actually do the stuff. 
uh, and I've spoken about one of our clients that did really well with the Maycore update was a plastic surgeon. And all of his posts on side effects, on things, you know, what to expect after having the surgery, they're all doing really well because, uh, you know, I believe it's because they're writing about firsthand expertise. Whereas if I wanted to write a website about plastic surgery, uh, I've never had plastic surgery and I don't know any, you know, very little about it. I have some medical background, but in animals, in, eh, I've done some, some eye tucks. Is that the word? I've, I've done some stuff with, with eyes in Sharpays where they're born with, uh, you know, hair uh, digging into their eyeballs and you have to do some plastic surgery to, uh, so I have done plastic surgery. Regardless, regardless, would you want to read, like if you were thinking of having some type of plastic surgery done on your body, would you want to read my experience with Sharpays? Um, you know, it's, I'm not an expert to write on that. And uh, what we're seeing is that um, sites that are writing about medical advice, unless you truly have the expertise to talk about this, it's going to be really challenging to rank. Um, we're almost at the end here. I thought this was fascinating as well. Uh, Etsy got called out this week. Um, let's see the, somebody pointed out Etsy has this page on their website that is geared towards. So just in case some people don't know what Etsy is, um, I think most of you do. It's a, a marketplace where basically if you make stuff like at home, you make crafts and, and, and whatever, uh, that you can sell it on this marketplace. And, um, a lot of people do really well with Etsy, and Etsy has done some incredible stuff in terms of SEO. They, they really know their stuff. Uh, they have a page on their website that says to their um, customers, consider linking your Etsy shop from your personal blog and networking with other sites to get them to feature your listings. Now, is that unnatural in Google's eyes? I, I want you to think about that for a second. I think it's fine. And... And that causes a little bit of controversy. I think it can be fine, but it could lead to something a little bit sketchy. Now, uh, Google has said in the past that there's nothing wrong with asking for a link. If I said in podcast, like, hey, you know, we wrote this fantastic article on blah, blah, blah. And could you link to it that, you know, that would really help us. And you were like, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I really like, I want to thank you for all the work. And, and yeah, I want to send a link your way because I think it's a great content. Like, that's fine if I ask you for that link. But let's say I say, all right, um, if you want to be listed in our newsletter, you have to link to my blog post. Well, that's not okay because I've put a condition on it. Um, and I think if Etsy said, what I've seen some people used to do in the past when they had marketplaces would say, you don't need to link to us, but if you do, we'll feature you more highly. That's unnatural. The thing that could get Etsy in trouble is if this happens on a very large scale um, and if they start directing how to link. So let's say th the post said, consider linking to your Etsy shop using the anchor text, you know, and then they tell you what to link with, then that looks unnatural. Um, so, you know, everything has <laughs> different shades of black and white, right? Like shades of gray, I guess. That, And this isn't even gray. I think personally it's fine. I think uh, it, it has the potential to go too far. Uh, and if I was doing SEO for Etsy, I'd want to be really keeping a close eye on the incoming links to, uh, to, to Etsy. Uh, actually, that's probably a good thing for me to look at um, if I ever can find the time to do it. But uh, just be careful. 
It's okay to ask people to link to you, but when you start giving them an incentive or doing it on a scale that uh, starts to look like, you know, uh, people aren't doing this out of their own will, they're being compensated in some way, then that's where we have issues. A couple things to talk about in terms of local SEO. Um, we have news in our newsletter this week uh, provided by Sterling Sky, and um, they have written an article on the benefits of merging two Google My Business listings. So that's something I'd encourage you to read if you're in that situation. Uh, there are apparently new attributes that you can use in GMB now. Uh, one of them is online appointments. Uh, for it's available for some businesses where it will make sense. Um, so that's a new thing. So if you do offer online appointments when you, and you never did before uh, because of this time of social distancing, then that's something that uh, you, you're going to want to add to your Google My Business profile. And the other thing that uh, was noted, this Tom Waddington noted this, that um, a lot of uh, mobile knowledge panels for businesses now have ownership information on it. So it basically says like this is owned by so-and-so, this business. And in a lot of cases, that ownership info is being sourced from a Facebook, a Facebook post. So if you look at your knowledge panel, uh, that's, you know, on the right-hand side, usually of desktop, uh, where it's, you know, the big box that um, says, here's all the stuff you need to know about this business. And you see that the information is wrong then you may want to be checking all the other places that Google could reference. So Facebook is one of those. Uh, you know, if you have a Wikipedia page, that's another example. Um, so if Google's got something wrong in the knowledge panel, you need to find where they're sourcing it from and correct it at that source. Um, let's see here. And there's apparently uh, uh, a new way now to flag user profiles for abuse in, in Google My Business. Uh, in the past, you could flag specific reviews for saying like, oh, this was, um, you know, somebody who used to be an employee of a competitor or something like that. And now you can apparently flag specific users if it's clear that they're abusing Google My Business. And I think a lot of you will probably uh, make good use of that. I know some people who do local SEO and almost like 80% of their day is spent on spam fighting, uh, which is kind of uh, crazy, you know, that, that Google can't stay on top of this. Um, so if you're trying to rank in local and struggling, then you may want take a look at uh, which of your competitors really don't deserve to be there and decide whether you want to flag them as, uh, you know, breaking Google's guidelines. Um, your call on whether you want to uh, do that or not. Well, that was a lot of information to get through. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you are a Fortnite player, you probably know that the new season dropped today. I've been working through podcasts so I'm gonna take the rest of the afternoon off and uh, play apparently there are sharks and Jason Momoa I don't know I'm confused but I'm looking forward to it so anyways I hope that you're doing okay wherever in the world you are and uh, I do wish you the best of luck not just with your rankings but with everything I know this is a hard time for so many people hang in there and we'll talk next week <music>